0: So I'm wearing a Celebrate Recovery t-shirt today. This, I think, is the first time I've ever worn a t-shirt and jeans on a Sunday morning uh, in church. I went up to someone before the first service and I said, hey, your pastor's in a t-shirt and jeans today. What do you think of that? And he said, about time. <laughs> hey, I want to just begin today. How many of you have benefited from the Ministry of Celebrate Recovery. Would you just raise your hand? Look around the room. Look at the hands that have gone up. Yeah, praise God. Ten years ago, I received a phone call which led to some huge changes in our lives. We had just returned from a trip to Israel that was given to us by the church I was pastoring in central Illinois. On my first day back in the office, I received a phone call. It was from a gentleman from the Quad Cities. I picked up the phone and he said, hi, this is Jim Kohler. I'm calling from Edgewood Baptist Church and I'm wondering, Jim at the time was deacon chairman of the deacon board here, and he asked if I would be interested in having a conversation about the senior pastor position here at Edgewood. Well, because we were in a growing church that we loved, we had raised our daughters there, we were there at that time 13 years, I politely told them, no. (laughs) When I went home and told Beth about it, she said, no way. (laughs) But before hanging up, Jim asked me if we could meet for lunch in Peoria. It's about halfway in between where we lived and the Quad Cities. I told him if I was ever in Peoria, I would let him know. That was my out because I wasn't interested and I hardly ever went to Peoria. But wouldn't you know it? That week, a young man who I had been building a relationship with I had to was put into jail in Eureka. That same week two church members were admitted to St. Francis Hospital in Peoria. <laughs> and so I was headed to Peoria stopped in Eureka and then went made my hospital visits and Jim and I had lunch together. At the beginning of the conversation I frankly was not all that interested. And it's not because Edgewood didn't interest me. It's because, well, we were just very content where we were. But about an hour into the conversation, Jim leaned forward and he told me that Edgewood was looking for a pastor to help the church grow in outreach to the community. And at that point, I leaned forward and I said, Tell me more about that. And then, with tears, In his eyes, he told me about the ministry of Celebrate Recovery. And he explained how hundreds of people have found hope and healing from their hurts, from their unholy habits, and their hang ups. He described to me how God has used that ministry to bring forgiveness and freedom found only in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and how that permeates the ministry of Celebrate Recovery. Fast forward. Our very first visit to Edgewood, to the facility here, happened a couple weeks after that. Beth has a sister who lives in Iowa. We were on our way past the Quad City, so I contacted Jim, and I said, hey, could we take a look at the facility? And so Jim and Marcia met us here, and we walked in the building, and it was incredible. It was the week before Super Saturday. <laughs> so it was the week before Vacation Bible School, It was just filled with things. The hallways, there were ladders up, everything, and it wasn't ready yet, but it was like there were boxes and everything up. And I remember Jim saying, explaining what Super Saturday was, and he said, oh, I wish you could see the facility, how it really is. And I said, no, this is what I wanted to see because this shows me that Edgewood is willing to do whatever it takes to reach boys and girls for Christ willing to turn this whole facility into a child-focused theme in order to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what happened this week on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I have two experiences that are right at the top. I was talking to Tiffany Masongar after one morning when a little girl raised her hand indicating that she had prayed to receive Christ. As Tiffany talked to her, she found out that this little girl had already been saved, had already been baptized, but she said, you know, I still have a lot of sin in my life. And she said, I want to re-believe. I've never heard that phrase before. Re-believe. Which reminds me, we're ending our series with words begin with R-E, and somebody said, how long have we been in this series? Like four or five weeks? I said, no, actually 15 weeks. So I guess we're going to go one more week with re-believe next week. <laughs> Another highlight happened just yesterday. A third grade girl came bouncing up full of energy and she said, I want to get baptized. And I said, well, that's great. I didn't recognize who she was. And so I said, well, tell me, you know what, when did you become a Christian? She said, yesterday. (laughs) Oh, I love what God did this past week. So during the same visit with Jim and Marsha, we were in their car going around the building. And I had noticed some ashtrays out the south doors, like the kind by Walmart that are up kind of high. And when I, when I saw those, it made me smile. It was right around that same time, Marsha turned around and she said, hey, have you noticed we have some ashtrays out by the entrances? And I said, yeah, I do. And I'll never forget what she said. She explained that the church provides those for people who smoke. Because Edgewood wants to do everything they can to make people comfortable to hear the life-changing message of forgiveness and freedom in Christ. And then she said this, many who come are struggling with much deeper issues than smoking. And I knew right then that Edgewood is a place of grace for those who feel out of place. Now, when I was thinking about that conversation, I went outside, and I looked, and I couldn't find the ashtrays anymore, and I wondered what happened, and then I, it hit me. Somehow, during our renovation and expansion project, they got tossed, or they got pushed aside, um, and so I asked Pastor Andy to order some more, and they're now back out there. Friends, from that point on, I was all in. And Beth and I simply followed the Lord's leading as he guided us, and we've been here now by God's grace for nine years. I find it so refreshing how so many people in Celebrate Recovery talk so openly and honestly about their sins and about their spiritual victories. I love that. When someone in the community asks me about Edgewood, I invariably start talking about Celebrate Recovery, also known as CR. You'll hear those two letters used. Here's why. Because you cannot describe Edgewood without celebrating how CR has affected the very DNA of our church. Here's the main point I want to get across today. Since God celebrates recovery, So must we. So we're wrapping up our re series. We're focusing on the word recovery. Here's what recovery means it means to return to a normal position or condition, to live, to revive, to retake, to recover lost time. To recover refers to the action or process of regaining possession or control of something stolen. Some of you know what that's all about something that's happened to you or something lost. It can also mean to return to soberness from a state of delirium or drunkenness. Well, let's do a scriptural survey. There's a lot more verses, but let me just walk us through a few from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 11. In that day, the Lord will extend his hand yet a second time. He's doing it again to do what? to recover the remnant that remains of his people. You get the idea of God extending his hand to recover his remnant. Turn over to Isaiah 38, verse 6. This is a prayer of Hezekiah, a king, and you can hear him longing for recovery in his own life. He writes this, or we read this prayer, Oh, restore me to health and make me live. In Isaiah 46, verse 4, Even to your old age I am he, and to gray hairs I will carry you. I have made and I will bear, I will carry you, I will sustain you, and I will rescue you. If you look over in the New Testament, in the King James, 2 Timothy 2.26, we see this longing for freedom, and that they may recover themselves out of what? The snare, like the trap of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. God himself celebrates recovery, 1 Peter 5, verse 10, and after you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore Confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Oh, let me draw our attention early in the ministry of Jesus. He stood up in the synagogue one day and he read from the book of Isaiah. And then he said something that people there would never forget. He said, Today, this scripture in the book of Isaiah is fulfilled in your hearing. And Jesus, like, I'm here. And I'm the fulfillment of that passage. Here's what Jesus said. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He's sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering, there's the word recover, recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Friends, once we are set free spiritually, Jesus can break every other bondage we are under, including addictions, idolatries, and deep-seated sin patterns. Well, I want to share a few things that are on my heart, things that God has taught me over the years. I invite you, as I've gone on this journey, to journey with me. Here's the first thing I want to say. It's time for us, church, to stop using demeaning comments toward those who are honest about their struggles. So here's what happens. Sometimes those who are honest and courageous talk openly about what they've done or what's been done to them. And those of us who aren't so open and honest start talking about them. You go, oh, I can't believe you've been in jail or you've done that, you've done this. Friends, we need to watch our self-righteous attitudes. It is not okay to denigrate those who sin differently than we do. 1 John 1.8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Remember this. A person who is struggling is someone's child. It's someone's grandchild. It's someone's spouse. It's someone's sibling. It's someone's parent. It's someone's friend. Now, related to this, I want to call us to something, church. I'm going to call us to no longer use a phrase. I'm calling us to not use the phrase those people to refer to somebody who attends Celebrate Recovery. Friends, we are done with that. Here's why. Because those people are us. Those people are all of us. They're not those people and we're the good people and we're the ones without struggles. No, often those who are in recovery are more honest than we are those of us who live with our secrets are still struggling with our sins. Are you with me there? Number two, choices made today will have consequences tomorrow. I don't know of anyone who has said his or her goal is to become codependent. I don't know of anybody who's asked to be abused. And some of you have. It's awful and terrible. You've been sinned against. You didn't ask for that. I don't know anyone who said, when they're a teenager, my goal in life is to become an alcoholic and destroy my family and lose my job. But I know plenty of people who are partying right now and they're not thinking of the consequences which may come. Hebrews 11.25 says Moses chose the hard path rather than, quote, to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Uh, You might not hear this phrase much in church, but you're going to today. Do you know that sin is enjoyable? That's why we do it. If it wasn't enjoyable, what would the attraction be? It feels good to gossip, doesn't it? Because you're like all righteous, and that person is down there, right? Feels good to sin. It—it's like there's pleasure involved with it. That's why we do it. But mark this: sin is enjoyable, but the fun is fleeting. And it leads to bondage. Number three, most of us need to hit rock bottom before we will begin to look up. I recently talked to a guy about his alcohol addiction and he knows it's wrecking his relationships. It's very obvious. This was his attitude. He kind of shrugged his shoulders and he said, I like it too much to quit. And I said, dude, You are never going to quit until your attitude changes. Number four, until a person admits they are powerless, they will not experience freedom. So part of the power of addiction is secrecy. It's part of the power of it. One of the phrases that I hear people use is this, you're only as sick as. As your secrets. Ooh, that's powerful. And right now, you might be like, "I have a secret. I hope nobody knows about it." But listen, that secret is keeping you sick spiritually. It's time to bring it into the light, to confess it to the Lord. Until we admit our secrets, we will not get better. Madeline Lengel argues that we're all broken. (laughs) And she says, but that's not a terrible thing. Instead, she says, quote, refusing to admit your brokenness is what is terrible. Number five, some of you need to hear this today. Just because you've failed, or just because you've recently relapsed, it doesn't mean it's over. Sobriety is a journey. And God heals some people immediately, and for others, it's a daily battle, isn't it? You're just, you have ups and downs, and you're tempted here, you give in here, and you're just like, ah, why am I like this? Uh, didn't the Apostle Paul write that? The thing I don't want to do, I end up doing. Here's what I'm not supposed to do, and I do it. And the thing I'm, I know I want to do, I don't do. That's Romans chapter 7. Let me just remind us of the Bible characters. Abraham lied. Jonah ran. David, a man after God's own heart, committed adultery and murder. Esther feared. Noah got drunk. Moses disobeyed. Thomas doubted and Peter denied. Incidentally, if you're a born-again believer and you fall, that doesn't mean you've lost your salvation. Number six, some of you may push back on this, but we're all in some sort of recovery process. You see, properly understood, as humans, you and I are addicted to sin, And God then does his sanctifying work through the power of the Holy Spirit. He does that in us, those of us who are saved, and he does it by building the character and the conduct of Christ in us. Anger can become an addiction. Food can become an obsession. Impure thoughts can lead to a pornography addiction. And a whole host of other things can cause havoc in our lives. In that sense, we could all benefit from Celebrate Recovery. Number seven, Edgewood is a safe place because we're a community of grace. You'd be surprised to know how many people are battling the same sin or the same struggle, or the same situation that happened to you when you were young, you'd be surprised how many are dealing with the exact same thing. You are not alone. And this is a safe place. 2 Corinthians 10.4 urges us to tackle strongholds with spiritual solutions, not in worldly ways. Well, here's what we read. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Question. You don't have to answer it out loud. What strongholds have you allowed into your life? Well, now that you've identified that, have you ever tried to get your flesh to fix the flesh? It doesn't work. You can't conquer that through willpower. No. Next weekend, we're going to begin a brand new series on Romans chapter 8. We're calling it God is for you. And this chapter, which starts with no condemnation, ends with no separation. And this will help us learn how to walk in the spirit by saying no to our flesh. Now, since God celebrates recovery, so must we. I'm going to invite you to turn to the book of Isaiah again, Isaiah chapter 53. There's Bibles in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, take that as our gift to you, or feel free to use your mobile device. This is one of the most amazing chapters in the entire Bible. One commentator refers to it as the text upon which the rest of the Bible is a sermon, (laughs) It's the premier passage on biblical prophecy. It's quoted 41 times in the New Testament. We could sum up this passage with one word, substitution. Look at the first word in verse 4. It says, since, or surely. Surely, that's designed to get our attention. It means there's an amazing truth that's about to be given Well, here it is. Surely he has borne our griefs. He's carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. We referenced this verse last weekend. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That word laid means to cause to strike with great force. The Father poured out his righteous and holy wrath on his Son. The iniquity of us all fell upon our substitute. Now, there's a progression of thought in this passage. Well, let's look at it. We go from we, to me, to he, to free. Let's start with we. Check out how often the word we, our, or us is used. Has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken, pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Notice secondly, me. Until you move from we to me, you won't turn from your offenses against the Almighty. See, it's one thing to say, yeah, I know everyone's a sinner. There's a bunch of sinners out there. Wow. It's another thing to say, I'm a sinner. It's another thing to turn to your spouse and say, I sinned against you with my words. Would you forgive me? It's another thing altogether to own our own sins. Look at verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray, that's we, and then we have turned, personalizes it, we go from we to me, everyone to his own way. Then we go to he, Jesus took my place as my substitute. He made payment for my sins. He carried all my griefs, all my sorrows, all my transgressions, all my iniquities. My sin struck the substitute. I deserved death and he died in my place. I sinned, he suffered, I'm saved. Now this chapter is full of the language of substitution and sacrifice. Notice the word he and him and his. He has borne our griefs. He carried our sorrows. He was pierced. He was crushed. Upon him, by his wounds, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And then finally, the word free. When I move from we to me, get my focus on he, and then I can become free. I receive peace, and I receive healing, so he can bring me to recovery. The word peace here is the word shalom. It's more than just the cessation of conflict. No, the word refers to human wholeness. The only freedom from your sin problem or your substance abuse or your selfishness is to trust the Savior as your substitute, and He wants you to be forgiven and free. And my guess if you're engaging online or right here in this place, some of you think that you don't matter. Some of you think, I've messed up way too much. Here I am asking God for forgiveness again. And perhaps you believe that your recent relapse has dq you, that you're now out. Friend, listen to this, Oh, so please listen to this. It doesn't matter what you've done. What matters is what Jesus has done. And there is grace for everyone. You see, because of grace, Jesus took our place. Edgewood is celebrating 20 years of Celebrate Recovery this fall. The Celebrate Recovery is a Christ-centered Bible-based, 12-step recovery ministry designed to help people reconnect with God and heal from past hurt and pain. Are you aware that Celebrate Recovery is found in more than 35,000 churches worldwide? There's two others in the Quad Cities that I'm aware of. Maybe there are more, but I want to pass this on in case Friday nights is not a good night for you. Uh, My friend, Pastor Ed Heading, leads Pleasant View Baptist Church. I think their group meets on Monday nights. And then Maranatha Chapel in Alpha, I believe they meet on Wednesday nights. The foundation of Celebrate Recovery is composed of three key portions of Scripture. The Sermon on the Mount, the Book of James, and 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And according to the founders of Celebrate Recovery, there are seven features which make CR unique. Number one, CR is based on the Bible, not secular psychology. Number two, CR is forward-looking. So regardless of what's happened in the past, the solution is to start making wise choices now and to depend on Christ's power today. See, our focus is on personal responsibility, not playing the accuse someone else or excuse my own behavior. See, they don't play the game of victimization. We can't control all that happens to us, but we can control our response to what has happened. Number four, CR emphasizes salvation in Jesus Christ and calls people to total surrender to the Savior. The process of recovery is not just recovery from a problem, it's the redemption of a soul. And CR has a unique form of evangelism, discipleship, and sanctification. On Friday night, I, went, I met an individual, and I just asked him a simple question. I said, why do you like CR? And very quickly, big smile on his face, he said, I was saved at Celebrate Recovery. Number five, CR utilizes the biblical truth that we need each other to grow spiritually and emotionally. Certainly, recovery can begin in isolation, But it must involve walking with others for encouragement and for accountability. Number six, CR produces a steady stream of servant leaders who are trained to minister to others after finding recovery in Christ. Number seven, CR addresses all types of hurts, unholy habits, and hang-ups. See, it's common to think CR is only for those dealing with substance abuse, but are you aware only three in ten who attend CR are struggling with drugs or alcohol? Every Friday night here at Edgewood, we offer groups for women dealing with codependency, abuse, chemical dependence, and relationship addictions. We also offer groups for men dealing with anger, purity, codependency, and chemical dependency. There's also a group for adult children of family dysfunction. There's a table set up in the lobby, and I hope you make your way over there right after the service is over. Pick up some information, talk to one of the CR leaders, and look for a way that you can jump in and serve. Since God celebrates recovery, so must we. Now, at the heart of CR are eight principles. They come right from the Beatitudes found in the Sermon on the Mount, preached by Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. They make up the acrostic recovery. Realize I'm not God. I admit that I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable. E. Earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to Him, and that He has the power to help me recover. C, consciously choose to commit all my life and my will to Christ's care and control. O, openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and someone I trust. (laughs) V, voluntarily submit to any and all changes God wants me to make in my life and humbly ask him to remove my character defects. Number six, evaluate all my relationships, offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me, and make amends for harm I've done to others when possible except when to do so would harm them or others number seven reserve a daily time with god for self-examine examination bible reading and prayer number eight yield yourself to god to be used to bring this good news to others both by my example and my words celebrate recovery follows a 12-step process based on the bible number one we admitted we were powerless over our addictions and compulsive behaviors, that our lives had become unmanageable. Number two, we came to believe that a power, that power is Jesus Christ, is greater than ourselves and can restore us to sanity. Number three, we made a decision to turn our lives and our wills over to the care. Of God. Number four, we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Number five, we admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Number six, we were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Number seven, we humbly asked Him to remove all our sins and shortcomings. Number eight, we made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Number nine, we made direct amends to such people whenever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Number 10, we continue to take personal inventory and when we are wrong, we promptly admitted it. Number 11, we sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and power to carry that out. And number 12, Having had a spiritual awakening, as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to others and practice these principles in all our affairs. Since God celebrates recovery, so must we. I have just one action step today. Usually we have two or three or more, but just one. Here it is. I'd like to invite everyone to attend Celebrate Recovery at least one time on a Friday night, starts at 6 p.m., meets right in the Life Center. Now, you may think, "I, I, I don't really need that. Well, that's fine. God, go and encourage someone else who's there. Or maybe while you're there, you'll think, oh, I could help serve somehow in this ministry. And now you've experienced it, perhaps God will give you an opportunity to invite a friend, a family member, a neighbor, a coworker to it. Or, when you're there, you might just realize, I could benefit from this, and I need some help. One of the most moving elements for me when I attend Celebrate Recovery is when everyone holds hands all around the Life Center, and they sing a song called Sanctuary. It's a reminder of how God celebrates recovery and how he builds into us his living sanctuary because he longs for us to be whole and holy. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary pure and holy, tried and true, and with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary Oh for you. We want to end today by inviting Pastor Dan uh, to come up. I want to ask Pastor Dan uh, a few questions. And Pastor Dan is back. Let's just give a hand to the Lord.
1: Thank you, you. brother.
0: Uh, Pastor Dan has gone through some significant major health issues. Uh, with, he had meningitis twice, had major surgery, had a tumor in his sinuses. Uh, you've struggled with headaches for months, you've just gone through a lot. Do you mind giving us an update on how you're doing, Dan?
1: Uh, sure. Uh, first of all, I'm just so humbled by all the prayers and everybody encouraging me and supporting me through text, cards, messages. Uh, it's just so humbling. I'm doing well. Uh, Tuesday will be four weeks post-discharge. Uh, and every day I'm getting a little bit stronger. Um, I would like to ask you to please pray for my eye. I have a slight eye issue going on, and uh, doctors believe it'll uh, be corrected here soon, um, but kind of bothers me a little bit in the afternoon and evening.
0: Okay. Well, it's great having you back, Dan. Uh, Before we jump into some of the questions, I discovered something on Friday, and I was a little fuzzy about it, so I wanted to ask you about it. So, Celebrate Recovery's been nominated for something. Tell us about that.
1: Celebrate Recovery has been nominated for the Citizen of the Year for Rock Island as, a business, as an organization. Uh, so we've uh, presented ourselves to them, and the, the Parade Council Committee will look at it and see maybe we'll be nominated as the Organization of the Year uh, for Rock Island. It's an honor to be nominated. Uh
0: Yeah, that's really cool. We'll
1: we'll see how God works. And just for a faith-based program to be that, I'm waiting to see how God uses that for his glory.
0: And I know know your heart. I know about how you run, Dan, is you don't really need an award, but God can use that, right, to to greater publicity. So that somebody who's struggling in secret would go, ah, I need that. I need some help. All right, Dan, over these last months, you've had a number of leaders jump in to help out while you've been out of commission, and I'm sure you want to thank a few of those.
1: Oh, yeah, there have been so many who have done it. Uh, Mike Russell, uh, when all this happened, he just stepped right up. Uh, He's been leading Celebrate Recovery, keeping us on track, and helping to make changes uh, for us to grow. Um, Mike, I can't say thank you enough, and even to his wife, Jody, because that's caused Mike uh, to be pretty busy. Uh, I want to thank Lori and Larry Wilson for overseeing the kitchen. Uh, we have meals every single Friday night where people can build friendships and accountability partners. Uh, I want to thank Kathy Thomas, Amanda Hodge, Fred, uh, Tim and Jerry. Jerry Thomas is our special forces van driver. <laughs> He'll drive from Ricca all the way out in Silvis to Telegraph Road in Davenport. Uh, he's just unstoppable. To pick, pick up
0: people who couldn't come otherwise.
1: Yeah, to bring people who are unable to drive here. So Jerry's just uh, great. Um, but to be honest with you, everybody has stepped up and has uh, taken on more of a role. So if you're in here today and you're a work in the kitchen or the nursery or the children's program or the tech group or open share group or you're a 12-step leader, would you please just stand up so we can thank you for all your hard work?
0: Yeah, praise God. Excellent. So CR was started 20 years ago as a ministry of Edgewood. Tell us about some of those details of how it started.
1: Yeah, uh, celebrate recovery became a ministry here at Edgewood twenty years ago. It uh, was birthed in a discipleship class that Pastor Brown had been leading, called the James Group, I believe. And we have a—I was able to find a copy of an article from two thousand three where they they talk about it. And it was started by a few people in that group. Uh, one of whom, uh, actually, the couple very shortly retired and moved. Um, and at that point, Larry McLean and his wife, Pat, stepped up mm. along with Teresa Wolgart and Pat Wolgart um, and many others. There was Marjorie and Bob. And and they just laid a great foundation uh, for Celebrate Recovery to build off of. And as a matter of fact, we're still building off of it today. Mm. Um, they did it right. They kept Christ at the center mm. And we're so grateful for that. Amen.
0: I was just noticing the headline here. It starts off with eight Beatitudes, 12 steps lead to celebration. What a great headline there. Uh, Dan, over the 20 years, there have been many highlights, kind Mm. of peaks. Pick a few of those and let's celebrate with you.
1: Yeah, there there have been many of them. I'm I'm sure I'm going to miss a few of them. But... uh, one of them is the Celebrate Recovery program that went into the Scott County Jail. We have the teams that have taken Celebrate Recovery into the Salvation Army Adult Rehabilitation Center on Kimberly Road in Davenport. We have many teams who have taken suburb Recovery into Riverside, which is the inpatient treatment facility over at Unity Point in Rock Island. We've had the Labor Day parade. We've had uh, our anniversary in the park uh, when Sheriff Bustos uh, invited us to be a part of the safe passage program where we can take people who are addicted to opiates to inpatient treatment outside of the Quad Cities if Riverside is full. And those are just a few of the really and big ones. you've done a couple
0: of those, right? You took somebody to Chicago and somebody to Rockford. Yep,
1: we've taken two people, one up to Chicago, one into Rockford, and it was just great to be a part of that. Um, but some of the smaller things even that we're doing well, uh, one thing we do is we welcome and accept people to Celebrate Recovery. We do that very well. So Celebrate Recovery is a safe place where you can come and you can take your mask off and you can be you. In Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and 30 says, Come to me, all you who are labor and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for I am lowly of heart and gentle, and I will give you rest. And so if you're burdened and struggling, come to celebrate recovery. And if you're courageous enough to stay, not only will you be welcome and accepted, you're going to find love and you will find mm. freedom. You mm. will find freedom. Mm. Um, also, another thing we do well is we celebrate small victories. Um, change is very difficult. How many of us here have tried to start a workout program or to lose weight, Right. Those, those are changes we choose, and they're hard to do. And so we love to celebrate the small victories to help people with their momentum going forward and making positive changes in their life, trusting Christ so they can find freedom from life's hurts, habits, or hang-ups.
0: One of the examples is that Friday night, somebody stood up, and they were celebrating five years of sobriety, right? And they got a chip, a, like yes. a medallion, and everybody just cheered and celebrated with them.
1: That's Dan, amazing. Um,
0: over the years, this is hard even to estimate, but what, what's your best guess about how many people have been impacted by the ministry of Celebrate Recovery?
1: Yeah, it's kind of hard to do that. I remember on Friday, March 8th of 2019, the week before COVID hit, we had 187 people in the Life Center for Celebrate Recovery. Now, many of those people are people who come over and over again and regularly. But if we look at people who've come at least once uh, as individual people, um, an educated guess would be 6,000 people have come through Celebrate Recovery from November of 2001 until today. Wow. So that's an amazing Lord, God number. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Amen.
0: Amen. You mentioned COVID. Um, COVID has impacted almost everything, mm. and, but a big impact in the ministry of Celebrate Recovery and in people's lives. Do you want to talk about that?
1: Yeah, when COVID hit and we had to start quarantining in place, man, it was very difficult. A lot of people were alone, um, you know, struggling with anxiety, fear, and depression, and alcoholism and drug use, and a lot of them just, uh, they just relapsed. Uh, I know personally I have done eight funeral services for eight attendees who overdosed on opiates um, and so it was just really difficult for them. And there's still some who aren't here, so I would ask you to pray that those men and women are able to make it to celebrate recovery. And not everybody who hasn't come back isn't because of a serious situation. Some have just gotten out of the habit. Some are mitigating their exposure to the public and they're willing to do mm. this, but not yet feeling brave enough to do this. And some people have a lot of comorbidity factors and they're just right. shut in at home still. Um, so it's, it's been very difficult, but we're trusting the Lord to bring us back. Um, we've been averaging between 40 to 90 people now, and so we'll just see what and God has rebuilding. in store. Yep. Yes, sir.
0: Yeah. Um, Dan, why don't you talk a little bit about what a typical night looks like? We've challenged people to go one time. Mm. What, would they ex- what should they expect?
1: Yeah, well, uh, when you come in to Celebrate Recovery, we always enter through the south doors uh, to my right. You'll be greeted by a smiling face. A little bit further in, you'll see Lynn Johnson, who's our receptionist. She'll be running our resource table. They'll direct you into the Life Center. And in the Life Center, um, you're going to find people who are welcoming you, uh, trying to get to know you. We'll serve a, a meal to you. Um, the purpose of the meal is not just to eat. It's to build relationships, friendships, mm accountability partners and for mm. people to find sponsors.
0: Help somebody who's really nervous the first time. Yes. Yeah.
1: And so if you have a friend you'd like to invite, you can even come once or twice with them to keep help with that nervousness. It's also during the mealtime where people get saved. So Nate Weaver, who runs our tech booth sometimes and plays the drums, he got saved at Celebrate Recovery. Bud Lifer, and I believe Bud's right over in here somewhere, he got saved. there he is. I'm turn around. His <laughs> wife, Tara. Uh, so if you're serving food here, just know you're having an internal impact on people's yeah. lives. Um, after the meal, we'll have a 30-minute time of live worship, We have four different worship teams uh, that lead us. Um, Once that is over, we'll either have a testimony from somebody who's been changed through Celebrate Recovery and Christ is continuing to change them, or a lesson from the 12 steps They kind of flip-flop every week. We'll take a brief break, and then we'll head downstairs to the open share groups. Um, Our open share groups are split up by gender. Uh, So ladies, we have three current groups. We have a chemical alcohol group, We have an abuse group for women who have been physically, sexually, or emotionally abused. And we have a life issues group for women. For men, we have five groups. We have a chemical alcohol group. We have an anger group. Uh, We have a purity group for sex addiction. We have the life issues group for men. And then we have a vets group for veterans. Um, And when you go to those, uh, you don't have to share. In fact, some people come once or twice to the large group lessons before they go to the open share group. Um, But you don't have to share, and at any time you're feeling like you would like to share something, you're never required to share something that you don't feel comfortable Mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. Most people talk about their struggles or victories from that past week, and they don't get into really big things. I'd like to make one clarification. The 12-step program where the true healing begins is on a different night than Friday night, Um, That will happen on a different night. So those people in the 12-step program and who attend suburb recovery will get two nights of Christ-centered recovery. Mm
0: -hmm. So if somebody were to come, they could come and have the meal and then leave. Yep. Have the meal stay for the singing time and then leave. Yep. Have the meal stay for singing and the teaching or testimony time. But generally when that's over, a lot of people who aren't regularly involved would 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 take off unless you want to stay for one of those. So there's a lot of opportunities to leave. It's yep. very informal. Yep. Dan, one of the things I've been so impressed by for people who benefited from the ministry of Celebrate Recovery is how they introduce themselves. And why don't you take it from there? How do you introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's a great process just to help us remember. And so I would say my name is Dan Cullett, I am a follower of Jesus Christ who has found freedom from alcohol. Um, I didn't find freedom from alcohol because I miraculously have self-control. I have freedom because I leave it alone. I don't touch it. Um, I am currently struggling with PTSD and the worry and fear that come with it.
0: Okay. Um, Why is that so important? Because God used AA in your life, too, so you you give credit to God for how that was helpful. But talk about the difference there.
1: Yeah, and AA, I would say, my name is Dan, and I'm an alcoholic. Uh, And so here at Subway Recovery, we take the focus off of what we have done or are doing. Or been done to us. Or been done to us, and we place it on Jesus Christ. So if you're here today, and you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, shed blood on the cross as the substitute for your sin, you are no longer identified by your actions. You are identified by what Christ has done for us. And it's amazing to think of that because we still sin. We are sinners here on earth, yet waiting for that day when Christ takes us to heaven and our sin nature is completely removed from us. In fact, it reminds me of 1 Corinthians 6.11, which says, and such were, were some of you. And if you look back at verses 9 and 10, it goes through a list of sins, but in verse 11 it says, and such were some of you, but no longer you have been washed by, the, by faith. You have been washed and sanctified. You have been washed and justified. Mm. And so we want people to mm. know if you just pulled up into our parking lot and you yelled at your spouse, you're still a believer, we want them to know if you had to have a drink. I
0: think you connected with people there, <laughs> <Yeah. man.
1: laughs> Not just on Sundays. <laughs> if, you, if you needed a drink to get the courage to come in to celebrate recovery, it's okay. I still remember the first AA meeting I went to where I cracked a pint, and I don't know how much I drank before I went in, two or three or four shots before I had the courage to go into it. There's no better place for you to be on Friday night if you're struggling. And if you come in and you are like me and you needed a shot of courage, welcome home. Welcome home.
0: Friends, Pastor Dan is back. Woo! Dan, one of the beautiful things about Edgewood is people understand that they've been saved to serve. We've all been given spiritual gifts. God wants us to use our personality, our background, our gifts, our abilities, all for his purposes. But I know there's some people who are struggling with, where do I serve? What do I do? Give us some ways that people could plug in to Celebrate Recovery.
1: Yeah, there are lots of different options for you. Um, At Celebrate Recovery, you could help cook a meal in the kitchen or serve it or just work in the kitchen and clean up. You can be a smiling face who just says welcome to people as they come in the door, those people who are nervous and not sure what to expect. You could serve at a resource table. You could serve at our tech booth. Um, you could play in the, one of the worship bands. There are just so many different options. You could join our Special Forces van driver, Jerry. <laughs> and so we can have two routes. So he's not going all the way from Silvis to Western Davenport. We could have more people come to CR We're, if we had more drivers. Yes, and that route would be a lot smaller. It wouldn't take so long to do that. Man, there are just so many options. Did what, you
0: mention children's ministry? Yeah, You can help
1: in the nursery. You could help in the children's program. Those will start up here in August. Um, It's a great way for parents to then focus on the recovery while their kids are in a safe place and maybe getting some tools to help them uh, so they don't make some of the mistakes we have made. Uh, I would encourage you, if you're looking for a place to serve, to just come on a Friday night and check it out. Um, we would love to have you. If you get there and maybe celebrate recovery is not for you, that's okay. There are so many places you can serve here at Edgewood. We just want you to serve your Lord and Savior and to grow while you do that. Amen.
0: So as we dismiss today, there's a table right out there, a lot of ways you can serve. You can sign your name up and somebody will contact you. For how you can serve. Dan, here's how I want to end today. I know a prayer is really important to you. It's important to many people Mm. who are involved in recovery. I'm wondering if you would lead us in that prayer. We'll put it up on the screen. I know you have it memorized. Uh, Why don't you stand now? You're welcome to watch. The words on the screen make this prayer your own as Pastor Dan leads us.
1: Yeah, it's a special prayer for us because it reminds us of the two things we can control. We often like to think we can control a lot of things. That's not true. Uh, The two things we can control is our attitude and how we act when something has happened to us Mm -hmm. or when we've done something. So let's go ahead and pray the prayer for serenity. God, grant Grant me me the the serenity serenity to to accept the things things I cannot change. change so, so that, that I may be reasonably, reasonably happy in, in this life and supremely, supremely happy with, with you for forever in the, the next. next. Amen. Amen.